Tunnel Academy, episode 81. For all my time in this business, in this profession, it has really irritated me that we have given up all of these little opportunities to secure customer or client base by giving away the radio installations. I won't look at that. I won't help with that. I won't do this. I won't do that. Just give me a car to fix. I just want to fix a car. That's it. Well, you know, we've stayed under the hood like, you know, like cave people, you know, and, and you know, it, it's not right. And then all along, I'm seeing this erosion of car volume and bay volume. I'm going, well, you're telling people no. The client's coming to us and going, can you help me? Well, let me see. I got the tools. I got the equipment. I got the time. I know what I, I know I would do. No, don't buy. I can't help you. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hi, and welcome to the Town Hall Academy, episode 81. Did you ever think about creating a niche or specialty inside your business? What type of service can you provide to your customer base that you are currently not offering? Or even using your team and facility to cater to a new market by utilizing your current people and facilities assets? Well, we're going to open up this dialogue right here. With me is Chris Chesney, Greg Buckley, and Jeremy O'Neill. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for supporting the Town Hall Academy. Performance and reliability, now that's what Jasper's remanufactured diesel engines provide mile after mile. The running completed engines are dynamometer tested with horsepower and torque ratings recorded. There's a nationwide warranty included too. Talk about dependable service, Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Remember, today's podcast has a sister video. If you want to see the dialogue in action, you can find it at remarkableresults.biz slash A081 or my YouTube channel. You will also find extended bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. And a great feature of the show notes page is the episode's outlined talking points are already done for you, so there's no need to take notes. It's like having your own cliff notes. It's great to hear from you. You tell me about your implementation of the ideas you hear inside these long-form audio interviews and discussions, and I hear about show topics and ideas, too. Touch base with me, Carm at RemarkableResults.biz, and thanks for the direction and the kind words. Now, listen to a very interesting summit, a lesson for the forever student of the aftermarket. We're talking niche or finding specialties to create new business services. As with all Town Hall Academies, we have a vibrant discussion, and we brought a mountain of insight to challenge the use of your talent and facility and to listen to your customers and find out exactly what they want and need from you. The panel warns you to keep your eyes open. The shift is coming. Toss out those unprofitable jobs. Clean out your closet. Review your current business model. We will not survive doing what we've always done. The panel will help you understand how to consider a specialty, product-based niche versus service-based niche, but an overlying theme is to be sure the basics are being done right. You cannot add a new service if you aren't fixing your customers' problems right the first time. Get your house in order before adding, they say. A not surprising deep discussion with a very qualified panel. Chris Chesney, Senior Director, Customer Training at the CarQuest Technical Institute. Greg Buckley from Buckley's Personalized Auto Care, Wilmington, Delaware. And Jeremy O'Neill from Freedom Automotive, Hisperia, California. And President of Advisor Fix. Your learning curve never sounded so good. So much going on in our industry, and so much to, to get and to learn and to absorb into. And, you know, I, don't, I think our industry is almost in its golden age of education and, and learning and knowledge transfer. I don't know. You, you, you agree with that, Chris? I think it's this golden age stuff is because of how you and I look. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jeremy, we escaped that one, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, we did. We ducked uh, out of that one. Now that I see Greg, I got to remind myself to include Greg. Um, <laughs> I knew there'd be zingers. I just it, knew it. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, no, I think this is the most exciting time in my career in this industry. It's amazing. Uh, I was talking to some guys downstairs at breakfast this morning at the uh, Autologic Conference, and, and uh, everybody to a man thinks this is the most exciting time the first time they've seen so many positive things moving in the same direction uh, in this industry's history. And I agree. It's really uh, going to be fun to watch the next 10 years. 
It is so much knowledge out there. I guess the commitment is is do it. You know, you got to commit. You got to go to the conferences. You got to listen to podcasts. You got to read articles. You got to get in an airplane today. You got to join associations. If there's a theme, you can't sit back, and it and it, it's all up to you, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you bacon. yeah, yeah. Say, so, hey, let's start this out, Chris. Um, you know, we picked up. Uh, I picked this type topic. I really was thinking a lot about Greg and the really cool things he's doing in his business. Uh, and and you'd love to kind of set the tone here between niche and specialty. I'm going to let you kick it off. Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, we sometimes uh, think too far out in front of of who we are, uh, and we don't look inwardly to see what we are today. And so many times when we talk about things like specialty or niche. We're, we're trying to come up with different ideas of technologies or services that that we invest in. And those are not bad to think about. I think Greg and I sat on a panel a couple of years ago at Auto Mechanica and, and talked about the same thing or at, at Cars. Uh, I don't remember where it was. It was in Detroit, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, Greg's talking about, you know, child seat installation and things of that nature. That, that's kind of a specialty or niche if you, if you want to apply that term. But I think when we start thinking about uh, today, and especially with things like ATIS on the horizon and uh, the the need for shop owners to to really be able to differentiate themselves from uh, their competition, the first step should be differentiating yourself by doing the basics right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's taking care of the motorist and making sure that uh, you're repairing their vehicle right the first time. So it's it, it. I always try to get back to the basics. I was taught that by my mentors, and and so when we're talking about specialties, that may be I specialize in European vehicles. I'm here at AutoLogic, so it, obviously we've got a lot of Euro training going on this weekend. Or I'm an Asian specialist, or I specialized in drivability, or I'm a undercar specialist. Those sorts of things, but. Uh, a niche might might mean that, you know, I offer my customer uh, a service that nobody else does in a way that nobody else does. I I offer Uber to every one of my customers. Uh, so when they come in and they're dropping their car off, they know that I'm going to get them to work. Uh, I'm going to have an Uber there to pick them up right as they walk outside the door and they're off and on their way. And I'm covering that. So a niche might be just a a segment of your service that uh, that you apply that differentiates yourself. So when I think of service and niche, I think of how can I be so different that the consumer or the motorist goes, wow, that was cool. And they come back for more of that. I, I love the concept. Uh, let a niche be something no one else is doing. But Chris, let me challenge your thought on Uber. Everybody can have Uber. I think what you may be saying and I recently wrote a, a blog on concierge service. I mean, there are some levels of service in organizations that are beyond, above and beyond. And concierge, white glove service, true intimacy with the customer at every level, it could be a, it could be a niche. It, it absolutely could be. But so is repairing a vehicle. Every shop can repair a vehicle, but many don't. Uh, every shop I don't think every, every shop can repair a car. Well, not every shop. They could if they applied themselves and they and they did That's the true. things that, that Jeremy does or Greg does to repair a vehicle. But not every shop knows what that looks like. So it, a lot of it is just getting our act together on the core core services. I hear the word basic a lot, Chris, interviewing some technicians of late here on the show. I've spoken to a few educators, a couple of textbooks writers in the last couple of weeks. Basics, 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 basics. Jeremy, I have a question just floated through my mind from a service advisor perspective. Is there basic training? Well, yeah, and I think to Chris's point, I, I think what we're seeing right now is a huge separation of the general automotive repair shops are going to have a really hard time providing a service where they can fix cars right the first time for all makes and models. That is going to go away here really soon. So that's something that comes in. I, and at Carm, I think, you know, we specialize in concierge service in our shop, but if the car's not fixed right, they don't care how good we service them. The fundamental thing is you've got to fix the car right the first time. So, yeah, it starts at the counter. Proper write-up, documentation. Did you get the service records off the car? Did you interview the customer? Has another shop just been working on it? So a proper write-up will save your technician 20 to 30 minutes worth of time diagnosing a vehicle if the service advisor does their job. That's the technical side of it. Then you've got the personal side of it. 
are we connecting with our customers at a deep level? Are we finding out where they work? Are they a part of our grassroots community? Are we giving them birthday cards on the car's birthday and their birthday? All these things that we could do to really put the icing on the cake, it's kind of twofold, but we're seeing, and I took a programming class this morning and literally I'm sitting there in, my, in the class going, my shop's a new shop. I've got to invest a lot of money in tooling. Check that car line off, check that car line off, check that car line off, check that car line off. I went through like eight different car lines I'm not working on those cars anymore. I'm working on these cars. I'm just not willing to make the investment. And my headaches come from those cars. So now it's we're being forced to become a niche business. Is it is it forced to invest or, or is it better to say that I just want to be so good? I want to be at the top of my craft and a specialist in a few particular platforms. I think we're going to be forced to do that. I think for a general automotive repair shop to be able to to provide a full service, flash reprogramming, full on the brand, it's going to be such a large investment that I just don't think you can you can you got to have a huge shop with ten different technicians that specialize in those cars. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. Hey, Greg, I know you've been sitting on the sidelines for a moment, but i got to make a comment on the concierge service. Uh, To me, the umbrella that serves concierge service is QC. And the QC is all about getting the repair right and having a second set of eyes on it. And yeah, you're right. You can't, you can't have great customer service if you don't get the, the, the solve the core problem. So Greg, can we make money at specialties or niche type products? Uh, you can if you if you do if you do your homework prior to engaging that and following trend lines or looking at market market um, how how well you can penetrate the market if there's a gap in uh, if there's a gap in service um, we we've had the concierge programs I think we're working on our fifteenth year or so maybe more than that we we've established that we used our digital technology at the time, which was some of the emails, and we pick up and deliver from major corporations. And that was started, geez, when we were back in our old location. And we're not afraid to use uh, technology to de- help develop these things. But uh, when, when, you, when you look at a niche or niche um, compared to an additional service, it's, it, to me, it's kind of like a fine line. I mean, um, a, a niche, is, as Chris was saying, could be the you know the the Uber on demand and the uh, the wipe down service and all that stuff. Um, for me, in what I'm trying to build, um, it's something that all these services that you may hear about that I'm doing, it, it all is congruent to what we as technicians, uh, people who are working with motorists daily, have expected of me or have asked me and those services are what you see uh you can say child care safety child safety uh well yeah fine all right we can we can have knowledge enough to alert a parent on the problems if the seat is uh not correct not fitted correctly um we can officially effectively and correctly uh reinstall a car seat if we have to remove one for shocks uh suspension um fuel pumps, batteries, that kind of thing. Um, in the other lighting situation, that was something that we I really did my homework on. And I looked at the type of business that it is, what it entails, why it's important, what it can gain me, and also the infrastructure I was going to have to need, I was going to need to engage that. And what did I find? Well, I found that I need a really good meter, 
I need some uh, cutters and some specialty wiring tools. Three things I needed to engage in a market that is huge. No, no difference in technical um, aptitude. Everybody in the shop can do that. So the labor is spread across the team if it needs to be. So it was a case of studying before I fully engage. I mean, I call, I, I, seriously, I mean, when you want to jump into another market, I, I mean, I called the CEOs of the, of the companies who um, I'll be buying parts from. I looked at the parts network and, and how fluid it is, how robust it is. And I found that there's huge issues. If you think we got issues in our world, let me tell you something, the, the safety lighting is really fragmented, but I'm working with a company that really knows its stuff. In fact, I just had a conversation with the CEO yesterday and they're really coming on board and they're gelling very well and the distribution market is going to be more timely and more profitable. So, and then again, we work with first responders who are part of safety. Safety is child seat. Safety is what we do for uh, our auto repair. So the, the underlying theme of safety is all right through this whole triangle of services. So I'm not outside my realm. I'm actually able to amplify things and actually present something a little bit deeper for the clients that are my 20%, not my 80%. So that's the way that I'm doing it. I mean, is it successful? Not to the point that I'm happy about it, but it's where I found, I found something that was different. I looked at what the market was and yes, it, it all depend. It all came from the quality of my auto repair side first that, you know, after 52 years of business, you don't get to this point with doing crappy work. So yeah, you have to be at that level and then, and then add on layers of what you want to do afterwards. So is it for everybody? No. Is it a hobby? Absolutely not. No hobbies. This is all business, you know, and, and you're structuring your, your company. And for me and for all most shop owners, if you're trying to project another 10 years or so, you have to look at different services that you're going to have to get into. I don't care what it is, but in, in, our, in our profession, as Chris mentioned prior to us just getting on, I mean, everybody's excited because of technology. Well, well technology is going to bring a, ra a, a huge amount of services. There'll be human services, more made for people and convenience than maybe actual physically repairing cars, but they'll be there. So that's my... 25 cents, you know, so. I'd have paid 50. But. <laughs> I knew I was going to wait cheap. <laughs> so. No, I think, I think Greg's spot on. It's, uh, especially with respect to hobby, you see a lot of shops out there that have a hobby and they, and they place it in the shop uh, and it takes away from the business. It's, it's not a core element of their business. But at the same time, when you get back to technology, ATIS is, is, is really going to cause the industry to stand up and, and get their act together. Uh, I was just on a call prior to this one talking about the same thing. And it, it gets to the point where if we aren't doing our core services right, our break jobs and our alignments right, we can't do ATIS right. But yet ATIS is really an, a specialty opportunity for a shop that wants to make the investment, invest in the tooling and the, and the training and get one or two people up to speed on it, but it's not going to be a skill that every single tech can probably apply effectively. It's going to be that master tech that, or maybe not a master tech, but a, a tech that uh, is very precise and, and uh, conscientious about the work he does and precise about following procedure. That tech could really be stood up in a, in a part of your facility or another uh, adjacent facility and serve the collision industry as well as uh, the alignment work that you do or the community does. Uh, and you could apply that as a, as another layer of expertise in your shop that nobody else can, can acquire anywhere else. It's so important to hear what Chris said. No one can be an expert at anything is, is basically what he's saying. And, and including the CEO in how to run the company. And, and it's, and it's almost like, you know, Greg, I'm sure by managing all these unique elements in your company, you've got a bigger workload to worry about, to, to fill those bays, to, to recruit them customers. It, you could, it could have been great. Sit back and just do your thing that you've done for 52 years. <laughs> yeah. I, and well, one, that's not me. Um, two, uh, I give a lot of autonomy to the people who are, to my techs who are actually in charge of doing that. 
um, are accountable for that type of that division. As I say, a division. And I look at the business as an enterprise. So my lead tech, Tony, um, he, him, and I sit and we talk about okay, what do we want to do for advancing our uh, testing and diagnostics uh, capabilities in terms of tooling? And we just uh, <clears throat> we're ready to purchase a, a, a specific BMW suite of tools and software because we're seeing an influx of BMWs and, and he is just really on fire with it. Um, for the upfitting services, my son-in-law is, is our EVT tech and he is looking at, you know, uh, where to go, what to get. Uh, he does project management. You know, uh, we do the estimating, uh, we visit the clients. And so, you know, you do, it's not easy, but you take each person who is in charge of that and you let them run with it and kind of mold it while you sit back and you go, okay, well, my job is to market, to, to make it rain. So I'm the one who's out pretty much getting them prospects, um, you know, going through these network meetings, going out to fire halls and, uh, you know, looking at projects. I mean, it's different. It is different. Did everyone hear what he just said? Got to go visit the client. Ooh. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's out of many people's wheelhouses because they're, they're not built for it because they have the power of holding onto the counter. This is my domain when someone walks in, yeah. <laughs> going out and getting in different concepts. When you, when you really did the research on this, did you recognize the workload that was going to be beyond the base? Yeah, I knew that to to penetrate this specific market, both new like divisions that we have are very fraternal, and specifically the upfitting market. It's very fraternal. If you're not one of them, you don't get to be one of them. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. So it's a slow situation. But here's my advantage: the newer vehicles, and it goes back to what you know we're all talking about here, and what we talked about in Geek O, Geek Two O. Technology is eliminating the fraternity simply by advanced technology. We have everything already to program a police car, a fire rescue, the commercial vehicles. We know where not to install these units. And now, um, a case in point, we just project, we just secured, and uh, let me, you know, a, a very good project for a 2018 Silverado. And the gentleman came to us and he goes, I heard about you. Uh, we had done a previous uh, 2018. And he goes, I don't want anybody getting near any of my uh, OE material. And I go, we commit to that. We promise you. We'll build a circuit outside of what you got. We'll only use common power and grounds to get this thing going. And um, he goes, I've got a lot more equipment for you. I'm the guinea pig. And we go, we understand. We're new. We're the new guys. No problem. Um, but after that came two projects for John Deere Gators. I go Monday to look at one at one of the halls. And a John Deere Gator, we've already done one, uh, which came out beautifully. My son-in-law is just a magician with this stuff. Um, so we're slowly building this really, I feel, will be a very prominent part of what Buckley's Enterprises will be. Call it Buckley's Auto Care, call it Buckley's, call it whatever. I'm not, a, I'm not singly looking at my business as something static as an auto repair shop. I'm an automotive service enterprise, meaning that I, my horizons are bigger and I plan to pursue whatever capabilities I'm able to do with the quality talent I need to bring on and let them do it. I love what he said, division. It's a division. I mean, that's some big think, Greg, and it's exactly how you have to think about that upfitting uh, niche or specialty. Yeah, Agree, yeah. Jeremy? I do, and I, I, I just love that thought. And what I look for right now is, you know, we're, we're in the midst of the largest shift that our industry is ever going to see. Uh, go back 100 years ago to the 1900s when we went away from the horse and the buggy and came into gasoline-powered, uh, you know, automobiles. That's when our industry was birthed. And right now, Tim Cook, all the CEOs of these major, you know, Google, Apple, they're all saying this is the largest shift we're ever going to see. And I get excited because we're in the midst of it right now. We're seeing the acceleration. It's moving faster. And what I love about what Greg just shared is we have to keep our eyes open to the future. And we have to have time and resources to invest in exploratory services or niches like we're talking about. And what I see 
pretty much in my marketplace and other markets all across North America is small business owners get stuck on what's working right now. Well, what's working today and creating really good sales and profits is literally probably a dying market. Okay. It's a trending market that's going down and eventually that market's going to be basically depleted. And if you don't look towards the future and get ahead of the shift and have these exploratory services going on out there, you're going to sit around one day going, where's my business? And then it's too late to catch up. So I think that's great. Thank you for sharing that because it helps me understand, okay, what do I need to look for in my marketplace and how do I start to get ahead of that curve? And then the one point I put on my talking points, Carm, was by looking at the emerging markets, you can become a first to market. You know, Uber, uh, I think they're really successful because they were one of the first ones to market with the large platform with ride sharing. Uh, they're not a perfect company. Some of our customers love them, some hate them, but they got in early and they dominated that market. And again, what Greg's doing in his market there, yes, he's the guinea pig right now, but as that emerges, he could become the dominant player there. And who knows well, what revenues that would drive. You have to start somewhere. You can't be afraid to yeah. say, uh, you know, uh, no, I'm not going to do that and put and be an ostrich type situation. But you know, I always tend to look at the, the money trail. And if you look at the money trail, um, a, a report just came out. Uh, an analyst just rated uh, Apple as finding their next tr to double their value from one million to two trillion in the next five to ten years by being in the automotive mobility sector. Secondly, Europe is reporting that, you know, you that they are close to peak car sales. All right. Peak car sales. That means that from this point on, car sales will relatively start to shrink by two or three million uh, units per year worldwide. Well, people aren't going to stop moving. They're just going to move in a different way. How are you going to service them? What do they need? You know, you, you know, and if we don't and I'll step back here for a second, but for all my time in this business and this profession, it has really irritated me that we have given up all of these little opportunities to secure customer or client base by giving away the radio installations. I won't look at that. I won't help with that. I won't do this. I won't do that. Just give me a car to fix. I just want to fix a car. That's it. Well, you know, we've stayed under the hood like, you know, like cave people, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it's not right. And then all along, I'm seeing this erosion of car volume and bay volume. I'm going, well, you're telling people no. Why? Why aren't we engaging and figuring out, well, how can I help you? What can I do? I mean, the, it's, when, <laughs> the client's coming to us and going, can you help me? Well, let me see. I got the tools. I got the equipment. I got the time. I know what I, I know I would do. No, don't, but I can't help you. Well, well geez. Okay. You bring up such a great point. I wrote down glass tinting radios, like you said, Everything, yeah. and, and when you when you think of a marketplace and the number of shops that are in it versus the number of glass tinting radio places, it's probably 30 to 1. So why aren't, why do, I guess this is a great question. Why do we walk away from that? And is it time to get back in it? A lot of things come down to the specialization and, and the desire and the need to do it, I suppose. It's not, it's not something I say to everybody run out today and, and start a, a glass tending business or a car seat fitting station or anything like that. But, you know, if, if, I, um, if I build correctly, who's to say that this one little division, this little element that I have cannot be springboarded out to an independent location and somewhere. And now we've got Buckley's European, you know, little things like that happen. But, you, you know, currently we're here. But we can be someplace else if it's done right, if, if everything falls in place. You know, we're just trying to establish the different service points that our, our clients are asking us to help with and what we're finding the market is telling us. No, I just, you know, you asked what uh, kind of holds us back from taking that leap. And it's comfort zone. You know, we live in a comfort zone and, and get beyond there. And it's so crazy. Right, right now, I get so many calls from service advisors and shop owners who want to get in the coaching game. And I'll ask them one, I'll, I'll give them an assignment. I'll say, great, I'm going to give you 20 minutes. We'll go through the initial thing. It's the easiest business in the world to get into. It's also the highest rate of failure, but I'm going to give you an assignment. You've got 30 days to go get your first client and charge them a certain amount of money. I don't care if it's $25 or $500. Charge them for your coaching services. 95% of the time, I never hear from that person ever again. And it's because they, they don't, they're not going to take that step. They don't have what it takes to step up and go make the change. And so for us, for me, whatever new niche I'm going to go after, I've got to monetize it as quick as I can. How do I see the money? Because if I don't, 
in my mind, my subconscious mind, if I don't think it's a viable resource income stream for the business, I'm never going to go after it. So if I'm going to go after a niche, whether it's glass or something else, let me get in the game, get the tooling, and then go monetize it as quickly as I can so I could see the revenue stream coming in. And Greg's had some wonderful successes with what they're doing, which is building the momentum. So it takes one, then go get two, and then move. And understand this, marketing is easy. If you develop the niche, you can get as many customers as you want. You just simply have to go attack it in a different way, and then the customer will come to you. So I would say go out and monetize and get out of your comfort zone. Jeremy, I want to jump in a couple of talking points. Uh, I thought they were very interesting. Product-based niche versus service-based niche. Yeah, you know, you look at the product-based niches, it's harder to get into that. It, it requires uh, a lot more equipment, capital investment, and then your labor, your your specialized knowledge labor force is higher. If I want to become a BMW specialty shop up in Hesperia, California, okay, number one, I've got to go buy the right tooling. I've got to have a technician that understands those specific cars and can deliver what we talked about, fix it right the first time. Now, if I want to provide a service-based niche, hey, we guarantee your repair 24 hours uh, by the time you drop it off on most repair services or whatever, I can be a speed of service specialty. That doesn't take any special tooling. I'm pretty much set up for it. Let's say I want to offer air conditioning services. Hey, we guarantee your air to blow cold within 24 hours from the time you drop it off or your service is free. Okay. Guess what? Every single person in my town is going to bring me their air conditioning because when it gets 110, they don't want to wait a week to get it fixed. They want it fixed now. So I think that service-based niches are very easy to fulfill and you can shift in and out of them as fast as you want to. Whereas the product-based niches are a lot harder and it, it takes a larger capital investment to develop those. I was fascinated by your last bullet point under that. Talk to a technician hotline. Share that with me. I'll say it because it's going to stir everybody up and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, emails and texts. Thank but, you. I knew it. Hey, Here comes the arrows. <laughs> how many times does a service advisor, is he on the phone and somebody says, hey, can I talk to a technician? And the answer is always, no, you can't. Uh, I would love to provide the service, sir. Are you asking for technical help? Yeah, I'm trying to get my car fixed and I just, I'm stuck. Great. We've got a solution for you. Here's basically what it is. I got an AC certified technician ready to go. It's $9.95 a minute. I'm just going to need your credit card and I'll begin the conversation right away. Get ready for your tech. Here it comes. So I'm just, you know, we pay for it here on our end. The public, I'm just wondering, yeah, you know, I just threw that out there because it's <laughs> it's a thought. I you no, it's I like there. It. <laughs> I'm serious. Why not? Right? An I mean, expert. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. I've got over somewhere one one point eight million views. I take all kinds of phone calls from my YouTube channel. I just might have to take you uh, take that up, that suggestion up, Jeremy. I can put, put it behind a firewall, there. Greg. Exactly. Put it behind <laughs> a firewall. There you go. Well, you know what, Mr. Customer, I'm seeing you've got the, the code P one eighty eight and I'm showing there's like eighteen different repairs. If you want to go guess, you can already put this component in. Oh, well, I've already done that. Okay, well, have you done this test on this, you know, connector with this pin out and have you measured the resistance? Uh, I don't know how to do that. Well, great. We have a solution for that. If you'd like us to do it, we have an opening tomorrow at 8 a.m. for our level one testing package. Would you like to bring the car in? So now we can get compensated for being on the phone. I just love that thought. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should trademark that now. <laughs> yeah, really. I, I, I think the industry is going. <gasps> you heard it first here. Uh, right here. That's right. You're on Friday. Well my goal is not to get my, my goal is not to get banned from the industry. It's really to help the industry out. So it's okay. Wow. I mean I have a software problem on one of the things that I use and I, I just so wish not getting into that chat box on the bottom and waiting to two days. Just let, okay, swipe my card, tell me what's wrong. Fix me quick. Well, you know, and Carm, this is something that I, I learned through Freedom Auto Repair. When I attacked Yelp, I had my response time down to under a minute. And I monetized that. It gives us so much business because we're literally having a live conversation with the customer. And that's kind of where that light bulb went off. I'm just on our website, you know, as we do the development, speak to a technician, click, here's the program, enter your card information. Time will start once the technician's online. And then you've just got, boom, it pings your guy, put him behind a firewall and here you go. Love it. Good stuff. Hey, listen, earlier, Chris dropped ATIS is a specialty or a niche, however we want to toss that up, up, up and around. And 
Chris, I, I really want you to dive into. I know your passion is so much with training and career development and you know, career pathways. Jump into a little bit of you know the, the, why it's so important and critical to have different level techs and specialties within them in the right training. Well, I, I think that the core of this, at the end of the day, is over the last forty years we've expected technicians, uh, especially entry-level technicians, to go to two years' worth of vocational school and come out with a set of skills that, that, that they can apply tomorrow that are profitable for us. Uh, and then we grow those skills on a kind of a haphazard basis from that point forward. And that was 40 years ago. We were dealing with two years' worth of vocational education to work on a 70 Mustang. Uh, and so today, that same two years of education uh, to be an entry-level tech, uh, many times we're expecting them to be profitable and productive in a service bay working on high-technology vehicles, and that's just that's ludicrous. And uh, part of the problem is we expect the, the, the same technician to have the skill sets to work on everything that comes in the building uh, today because that's the way we've always done it. Uh, and so we're, I think we're to the point where we need to specialize from the standpoint of uh, looking at the medical industry and how they route their work uh, so that we triage or we pre-establish uh, who should be working on this system uh, once the car comes in, in the bay. And ATIS is, is I think, one of the technologies that's probably going to drive us that direction. Today, ATIS is a specialty, if you will. But five years from now, 10 years from now, ATIS is core. Uh, and so that core skill is very complex today. It's very uh, precise in nature. And so you can't expect every level of technician to be able to, to calibrate radar or camera systems or the entire vehicle. Or as Audi will tell you, the average alignment on an A8 is going to run about $1,600. Uh, and so uh, if you... Uh, are expected to work on those vehicles. You have an alignment rack and your customer drives Audis or any kind of vehicle and they, they expect Greg to align that vehicle with his Hunter Hawkeye or whatever system he has. By golly, he better be able to calibrate the rest of the system once he aligns it or they're going to kind of look at him funny like, well, why can't you align my car? And so Greg goes out and tries to set up his team to be able to calibrate the, the process of calibration is very involved. The alignment itself is about a two-hour process, hour-and-a-half process. It's another eight hours to calibrate all the systems. Mm -hmm. and, and part of that is set up in a precise nature is placing the targets and, and, and uh, requesting the controller to calibrate itself because, Mr. Controller, I placed the target in the right spot. You look at that target and calibrate yourself. That's essentially the process, but it has to be very precise. So I think that... The future of, of technology, not just ATIS related, is is to focus on competency and the master mastery of competencies to enable our technicians not to be so focused on, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with working on Chevys, but when that Volkswagen rolls in, I freak out. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but a car is a car is a car. A CAN network is a CAN network is a CAN network. But with data networks today, we have so many primary networks, primary buses, sub buses, uh, gateways that we're to the point where we have to identify where those are and what they are before we even approach the vehicle right. so that we can have a chance at solving the problem. Well, you can't expect a sea level tech to do that mm -mm. just because the window won't roll down or the headlights won't work. Uh, and so, in my mind, education needs to focus on mastery of competencies. And let me define competencies because I, I've been challenged with that over the last week that we use terms that sometimes we think we, we understand, but we don't. Competency is nothing fancy. It's just the taking the content that you've been given and putting it in action. The ability to apply that skill in anger in a bay to feed your family, to be productive for, for the shop owner. It's not going to a class like we do today and spending four hours in a class at night or during the day and then praying that that kid can apply the skill when he gets back to the bank. That's outcome-based uh, education. So in, it, with respect to technology, here's an example. 
um, electrical circuits. I mean, the car mm-hmm. is so electrified, uh, even without being a battery electric vehicle or something of that nature. Uh, so if you look at a gang connector on the firewall of a modern vehicle, it may have 150 to 200 wires in it. And if you dissect those, you can divide them up into three sections. One is the, the load carrying uh, wires, powers and grounds. Very simple. So a basic technician, a maintenance technician should be able to identify and service and repair, diagnose, service and repair any, any power and ground type circuit. A senior technician should be able to take the next level, which are inputs and outputs. So sensor inputs, actuator outputs, basic uh, uh, computer processes, open and closed loop type systems. They should be able to process that, diagnose and repair those systems. And then a master technician should be able to take data networks and become a data network engineer and understand the relationship between a most network and a CAN network and the the interaction that can happen between them, even though though there's a gateway in the middle, but how a most network can impact the capabilities of a CAN-A network. Uh, You can't expect an entry-level technician to do that. And so when you get a vehicle in and it's got an issue, somebody needs to be able to point that vehicle to the specialist. So when you go to the doctor's office or to the emergency room, you see a practitioner initially or a a physician's assistant initially, and they point you to the specialist. You're going to go to the cardiologist. You're going to go to an oncologist. Where are you going to land? I think in the next five to 10 years, that's the automotive industry. And we need to start thinking about that now because you're not going to be able to flip the switch to do it. Right. Agreed. Absolutely. Technician mastery. Love it. Thank you, Chris. Good stuff. So, Greg... Uh, Let's try to bring this to a conclusion. I was excited to hear the things you talked about. Loved to hear the things you're building inside your company. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to do this. No. You know, if we stop for a minute, and and somebody's listening, they're watching, re-listening to this, going over and over again. It says, God, these guys made so much great sense. What do I got to do to really bring something like this to fruition? Research business plans. Give us a give us a an idea. Well, the first thing is is uh, you know it, it comes down to again uh, basics. Um, but this is team building basics. You know, uh, once a year we'll look at all right, where does our team want to go for the next year? Where do we want to build to? So with each of our additional services and these new divisions, we sat down and talked. Like, okay, what do we get into? Um, where do we grow? And the team, your team has to be underneath you. You have to lead the team into it if it's a if it's a, going to be a prosperous situation or it's something that you want to trial out. Um, you can't do it without having everybody on board. So, you know, that's the first the first thing. Secondly, um, look at what your talent uh, tells you. I mean, uh, there's uh, there's a shop owner in um, in uh, I think New Hampshire who him and I were sharing some things and his great diesel tech really likes to uh, to uh, program diesel trucks, you know, uh, to get them even more horsepower and, and to do that kind of, uh, you know, modifications. And he's sectioning him off to do that while building another team member. But that's what they agreed to, that we wanted to go after this, this specific market and get into tuning the diesels. Well, it's the same thing. Um, you really have to get the team on board in order to pursue it. And then you have to be able to really look at the market from a dollars and cents situation. The example that I'm giving you about what we're doing, we originally looked at getting into small engine repair. We had, an, we had like 1,200 square feet to operate out of. We thought, okay, what can we do? Do we want to develop that? Because again, in our, in our market, in our local market, we had a lot of people, uh, contractors, and people would come in with, hey, can you work on my generator? Can you get my trailer done? It Because the the facility, the market winner in our area was overloaded, and there was no place to go, and they couldn't get service. So, you know, I, I think we were slow. One, this was last August. We were having a really slow month, slow week, and a guy brings in a generator. He goes, can you fix it? Well, yeah, okay. Uh, then we get another call. And so, well, is that something we want to look into? We voted no because I did market research and I found that, you know, the the valuation of those pieces of equipment are very low. 
It's more, to, it, it literally is more to repair than it is to buy new. Secondly, too many mom and pops were doing it, means that I had to compete with much lower margins and all that stuff. And then again, the distribution and acquisition of parts uh, was a burden. So we came back and go, no. And then from that point, when we said no to that, this opportunity came up with a conversation with a neighbor with the lighting situation. And then we looked into that and we saw it, you know, here's what I did. And this is an example of what you need to do. I called every, I told you, I called you know, most of the CEOs um, who were in the, in the market on that. I called every fire chief in our upper half of the state. And I asked them, I said, what do you need? And everyone without missing a beat would say, you're going to be swamped. You're going to be swamped. We don't have anybody. I go, okay, let me go further. So I called my one client who's a chief and he, he kept me on the phone for 45 minutes saying, are you really going to do this? I go, well, I'm here to green light it, but I need your input. What's the market telling you? Hey, when did you so think you had something there? I mean, when that chief kept me on the phone for 45 minutes, I mean, when he, I tried to get out of it within 15 or 20, I'm just looking for basic information. Like, you know, and he goes, we don't have anybody. And I go, okay. But then I still had to get into the, the fraternity side. So I came upon two guys who contacted me and we went out to lunch and we kind of said, all right, what's the market like? And I said, guys, I need this margin. I said, I'm not going to go anything less. Okay, no problem. Well, one guy goes, well, can, can I be your project manager? I'm going, I don't need anybody right yet. Just let me figure out what's going on here. But it got into that level. And now technology is now forcing the 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 responder community to go let me think about this i need a professional did you write but a business plan for you know, at least looking at the number of new clients that you were going to get look at potential revenue streams yeah i i looked at all that but the, the, you know and and i wrote most of it down where where you could where we're looking at what the volume can be and i didn't want to just jump right into it because i said it's a fraternal situation and you're not going to go against a fraternal um, person, somebody in the fraternity, meaning that they're already in the club and Hey, and this is what happened. They came to me for estimates on projects and they turned around, took that number and did it themselves and went that route. And I go, all right, I, I, I know what I, I, you know, it's not my first radio here, guys. I know what you're doing. So, you know, I stayed away and I let, now I'm letting the market come back to me and that's starting to happen. And, and that's where. And I mean, how long has this been a, a about about nine months to a year. Greg and I uh, occasionally will have a Saturday morning cup of coffee together. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> and he tells me about all these wonderful things that's going on with that. So uh, good for you, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, smart move. Now, if someone decides uh, to do this anywhere else in the country, would you be happy that they stole your idea yeah. shamelessly? Well, you know what? There, there's other shop owners who are doing it. Um, I come to find out, you know, I, I, I called uh, my friend Craig Zale down at uh, Craig's Car Care. Craig is a, uh, a chief of a fire company. He'll do some upfitting services. He shared with me a lot of what he does and how to approach a community. I mean, this isn't a new ball of uh, wax here, guys. It's just something that I feel that in, in my model, it fits my model. And that's one of the things that's very important. I'm not selling pizza. I'm not serving cookies. I'm not baking cakes while running a repair shop. I'm doing something that's congruent with all my other services. And I think that's critical if you want to explore a niche or additional services because it can't take you out of your realm. I mean, I know that there's a specific uh, uh, woman in Philadelphia. She does uh, auto repair and nails and hair. And okay, that, that works for them. Um, but this to me is about business and safety. Safety is my underlying mission. Great strategy behind that, Jay. Um, Jeremy, I, I don't know. I, I always it's all good. I always call him Jay for for whatever reason. That's my nickname for Jeremy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, Jay, should we find specialties and create new business ideas and services? My answer is yes. I got two tips for everybody. Number one, clean out your closet. Get rid of the old non-profitable jobs. Start to say no to free up your time. So you can explore these these new emerging markets and then keep your eyes open and begin to prepare. I'm telling you guys, the shift is coming. It's here. 
ADOS will be here very fast. We'll be servicing those cars. I, Chris, I can't wait to get my first customer with an Audi A to pay me $2,100 for that alignment. <laughs> I'm on board with that. So, but here's the thing. If you don't change your business model and you hold on to that old stuff, you're not going to be in a position to accept yeah. the new. So clean out your closet. Yeah, but you know, you're... Great point, great point. Out with the old, but out with the old mentality and business model and... Um, stubbornness and I'm stuck in the mud uh, attitudes. Chris, I'm going to give you the last word. Any any final thoughts for us? Well, I, I think that Jeremy had a great uh, point there, and that is uh, just throw out the old and, and be prepared and open for the new. But we've been working on the same business model for the last 50 years, and those that have changed it, like Greg and Jeremy, have seen the, the uh, rewards for doing so. And so it's the many that don't and aren't, and they're not going to survive if they don't uh, get rid of that old uh, mentality of this is the way we've always done it. Uh, That won't survive the next 10 years at all. Uh, But there's so many opportunities in front of us. The ability to to see education elevate the skill set of people that can actually perform this work on this new technology in a way that is accurate and uh, as prescribed by the OEM, uh, gives us the ability to elevate the value to the consumer and the motorist so that we can raise our rates and, and improve our margins and profit uh, in this industry, which we all deserve, especially the ones that are investing the way uh, we need to invest. So don't be scared of this new technology. Uh, there's a lot of chatter uh, on the web today about it's got to be OE only and you can't use aftermarket to do it. Don't believe that. Uh, I had conversation last week with uh, one of the largest insurance companies in North America, and their conversation with me ended with this statement. We don't care if you use OEMs tooling. All we care about is that the vehicle is repaired right the first time. So we're meeting in their office in a week to have that discussion around how we can help them understand what technology is good and what technology is not. Uh, so don't discount that you can't do this because it's only OEM. Uh, get ready because things are changing. I like it. I like it. Great, great summary. Thank you so much. Now, Jeremy uh, tossed off because he's teaching a class in two minutes. But I want to thank Greg Buckley, CEO Buckley's Personalized Auto Care in Wilmington, Delaware. Chris Chesney, Senior Director of Customer Training, CarQuest Technical Institute, NASTEF board member, and Jeremy O'Neill, who's off and on his training from Freedom Automotive in Hesperia, California, and president and lead sales trainer at Advisor Fix. Thanks, guys. Fabulous, fabulous. This will be a, one of those gem archived episodes to listen to to motivate you into the next level of who you are going to be as a professional in the automotive aftermarket. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Have Thanks, a great guys. Day. Have a good one. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.